Hi, welcome to Acid Distract. I'm Mike and I'm here with Andy and Pete and today we're going to be talking about PR. So the first thing I want to describe if you are watching this podcast at home, um, you'll see that I have nothing prepared in front of me. You'll see it's actually a nice white desk and the uh, Andy and Mike have actually brought their laptops because I'm told, I actually took the mick out of them for this, I was told very quickly that PR never stops. It doesn't. At no. all. You know, so you're you, ready. You could do a press. You could actually react right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, you know, news has unfolded over the last few days about um, British Steel uh, going into administration. So this is a great example. So yesterday we had a client who asked us to sort of prepare something saying, like, we, we think they're on the verge of, of administration. Today they've gone into administration. So we've had to wow. change that press release. Or, you know, what we're going to be saying to the press straight away. And so I have, actually have a question about this because... Yeah. Um, I feel like I'm the outside of the PR PR world. I just kind of you know, ramble on and do my thing. Um, so obviously yesterday they weren't in administration. Today they are. Yeah. So you were out with you out with journalists and editors etc. Talking about how you know all this thing happens. Did anything go out yesterday that's now incorrect, or did you change it? Did you say hold the press? Like I'm going to talk about this tomorrow. Like how did you angle this as a PR guy? No, I mean, one of the rules of journalism is to be, uh, I think they call it contemporaneous. So it's like you have to be on time and timely with what you put out. So uh, if it was correct yesterday, that's fine. Okay. But, you know, it's the old thing that, you know, yesterday's newspapers are today's fish and chip papers. Mm. Like that's kind of an old thing now because don't really wrap them up in newspaper anymore. But, you know, it's the same thing stands. It's like um, it's an ongoing thing. So um all we've done today is like modify, um, you know, the tense and you know what it, it could actually mean. I think that yesterday was almost like predictions and um, what could happen, and today's analysis. So I think that's how it goes, really. I do think this whole uh, and obviously Jamie, Jamie's Italian, obviously went into. Yeah. Well, I think they're going to. I don't know the ins and outs of the they deal. Have this they morning. have, they have yeah. this morning. Yeah. So and so all this is happening, and I, I think it's a really good point to bring up actually now because you know you guys have got kind of points you want to bring up, but I think one of the things to focus on now is how important reactive news is. Absolutely. I mean, there's often news out there that you can sort of just, they call it news jacking or sort of piggybacking on the back mm. of it. But honestly, if you can kind of find an angle that isn't necessarily um, what people are talking about immediately and be that unique person, why wouldn't you get in touch with people and say, hey, have you considered this angle? You know, as a journalist, I mean, I've been a journalist before and if someone came to me and said, oh, you know that story you might be writing about today? Here's another angle on it. I'd be like, brilliant. It's actually fantastic. a gem, isn't it? It's, yeah, it's yeah. And people appreciate it. Well, we've done it this morning with the Jamie Oliver administration. Yeah. We put a, a release out yesterday um, talking about it and how it would affect the you know, the direct employees of Jamie's Italian. Uh, and today we've, we've then turned that around. Someone was asking how it's going to affect um, other businesses as well. And our client who can talk about those things, we, we basically spun the same thing around and we've just angled it differently. So... For the same content, you can get lots of different people, different publications, all talking about it at once. Yeah. And then I got a, got a question because I'm I'm a big believer in this brand of kind of like pushing the individual forward rather than the actual company itself. So when you were pushing, you know, this this business forward uh, on the Jamie Oliver story and the British Steel story, etc., um, were you talking from the brand perspective or the individual perspective? Like, how were you angling that story? Yeah, we talk from the in this case we talk uh, from the individual's point of view because he's. He's known for kind of talking about um, news events and reacting to them. So we could actually give some examples of, of how he's uh, commented in the past. Like Brexit's been a big thing for him. Um, and, um, you know, talking about other brands going into sort of financial trouble. 
Um, so really, he was he's kind of an easy sell because he's also been on TV. He's also been in national newspapers. Um, but really, there's no point pushing the company because you know who wants to know about the company's point of view? Yeah, who wants to know about an individual yeah. who who's got a bit of a profile, uh, and that not only sort of sells the opinion, but it also sort of builds his brand as well. Well, that's a good point. So once kind of this guy is known as the person to comment on businesses going into administration or insolvency or whatever it may be, I guess other journalists and editors will start seeing he's a big commentator and then people come to us with the inquiries, I guess, is the, yeah, the, the play. Absolutely. That's the idea, yeah. Um, I mean, it can happen across the board. We've got several clients who've kind of commented on sort of quite poignant things um, in a timely manner. And it's it sort of, well, like we've talked about before, Pete, the domino effect of PR. Mm. You know, if you get featured in one thing, you get known for saying a certain thing, and you can just keep saying it and keep saying it in different ways and different applying it to different stories, and it just works. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think there's nothing stronger right now than becoming the person within the space that people always turn to. Um, and it sounds like, this might sound quite bad, actually, it's almost like a perfect storm, right? You've got uh, British Steel and Jamie Oliver is Italian, kind of having turbulency at the same time. Yeah. So for this client, it's like hang about. It's like it's like Christmas, right? There's so many topics to talk about. I was listening to um, the radio this morning, and there was lots of topics being talked about. Actually, there's going to be more effects on suppliers. Like no one talks about the SMEs that actually supply Jamie's Italian with the chicken, you know, or, or whatever it may be. This yeah. is now a massive drip effect right through the whole industry. So from a from a client and a brand perspective, to be able to put your message forward. Not just for Jamie Italian, but actually mm. the knock-on effect is absolutely huge. So um, rather than me rabbiting on, I know you've got some points you want to bring in. So maybe mm. we'll touch on them. I don't know. I was going to say, I mean, you, you touched on precisely what we were talking about yesterday. I mean, we talked about British Steel going under. Um, and it's not just the how however many thousands of jobs have gone. It's, you know, the, you know, cafes around mm, yeah, um, yeah. Scunthorpe. It's the... Um, you know, petrol stations around Scunthorpe, they'll make loads of money from, like, the tankers going in and out, the workers going in and out, the people supplying them food, um, services to that place. It's, it kind of knocks on and knocks on. Mm. So it's it's considering the wider picture. It's not just like, oh, what can we say about that one small aspect of it? It's like, actually, is there more of a story there? Is it, you know, you've got to think like a journalist sometimes. Well, I mean, it goes on to that point, which I... Um when we did the, we did a, we did a, for clarity for everyone listening at home, we did a, a panel about a week ago, um, where it was myself, Mike, and two other members of the team were on the panel discussing what's happening within the marketing world and the space. And I said something really controversial, didn't I? I know what's coming. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I said that I think the press release is dead. <coughs> yeah. Yeah. And um, I, I often say these statements. Um, I, I often shoot from the hip. And every time I do it, I kind of look at Mike and Andy and, and I see them squint. Uh, almost like Pete, don't say it. Wincing. Don't, don't, don't <laughs> say this. Don't, don't kill our reputation. Yeah. So, um, on that note, I think it's worth mm. discussing because if we look at that client, for example, we wouldn't. You would. I mean, tell me if I'm wrong. We aren't doing press releases, are we? We're finding news that's really relevant. We're going to the journalists that are currently writing about it, and we're going, look, here's our angle. And I'm, I assume that's the same for most clients. So, um, under the topic, is the press release dead? Mm. I look at you two. Yeah, see, I, I wrote down, are the days of the press release as a marketing tool or a PR tool sort of fading? Because I think that's a, a better way to put it. Because the press release will always be a great tool to tell people literally what you want to say to them. It's a great sort of window to your business. But, you know, is it on the way out? And mm. I'd say, in terms of effectiveness, yes. And like I think we had a chat about this last week. We were saying, like, it's almost like 
cold calling someone and how many businesses now apart from you know super aggressive ones how many do cold calling to yeah. great effect you know i'm not sort of downgrading cold calling as a method if you thought it was for you that's fine but in terms of it, it's almost like knocking on someone's door and saying i've made this do you want it and nine times out of ten they'll say no 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 i'm all right thanks well i think i i so i agree 100 percent with this this analogy because cold calling works right you look at the numbers let's say you call 100 people one person will book a meeting in etc door knocking works you, know, you knock on a thousand doors 10 people want a meeting hey presto done all of it works you know twitter mm. works yeah but there's other ways to spend your money in my opinion so and the time really. yeah all of these things work but maybe they're not as effective as they once were which leads on to the question when we say they are dead what we really mean is there's better ways that you can put your effort, your time, yeah. your money. Yeah. So we can all go out there and door knock. Yeah. And absolutely. we can make money from door knocking. Yeah. But there's better ways to get business than door knocking. And yeah. I think that's probably the analogy we're using with, with the press release, which is it works, but you've got to send a lot of press releases out to get a nibble. Yeah. And I think clients possibly uh, expect, oh, we've sent a press release out. Everyone's going to love it. Oh, of course. It's actually, well, actually, no, unless you are willing to put the work in with every title you've sent it to or you've got the time to sort of like narrow down who you're sending it to and you know know who's going to write about it what's the point really because um if you can just find out what the journalist wants what the editor is writing about at the time and angle whatever news your client has to that that's going to make it work isn't it yeah and i think it's about respecting journalists time as well i think that's one of the main reasons that press releases you know quote-unquote dying is because journalists these days they have their stories planned months in advance uh, and that's why pitching to them is is more important, I think. It's more effective because if you know what they're going to be writing about, you can then give them information that's relevant to them uh, that they'll want to use, and then you, you're more likely for them to use it as well. Whereas a press release is sometimes a shot in the dark, uh, and sometimes it works really well, and sometimes it, it just doesn't work at all. So uh, yeah. with journalism being as fast-paced as it is these days, I think that it has to be uh, better methods of going about it if you're going to get coverage. I do agree with that. I think it is kind of um, almost rude to expect you to write a press release in your own time and send it to someone and expect them to use it. Mm. It's almost like going, I don't care what else you're writing about. I don't care what else you want to talk about. I'm telling you what I want you to put put on. Mm. That isn't isn't an effective marketing channel. I feel like if it's strong enough, if a press release is strong enough, it's got like some really good news. So like one of our clients has just been named number one um, in their industry. I mean that's fantastic. Huge, yeah. We've sent a press release this morning. That's fine. Yeah. You know that that is news, but I feel like that will lead on to more articles that are more specialised and go into a bit more detail of, as to why. Mm-hmm. You know we've set out how they've done it, what the results have been, and, and a little quote from them. That's fine, and that will probably get used you know across the board. That's great, but I'd rather say you know these are number one. Here's what they think about this to to someone. So that, so know, I have finding have out what they want yeah, so first. My question is this is. That article that you sent out, that press release, yes, it's a press release. We all gathered that we, we wrote it, we sent it on behalf of our client. But to an editor or a journalist, is that more a, is it really a press release? Because you've provided more value in there. You've asked for the person's opinion on this, how they've done it. You've actually provided some value. You've not just gone, you know, we're number one, thank you, good night. Mm. There's more value in that press release that actually makes it a more writable piece, mm. more worthwhile yeah. for the individual. Yeah. So then... Spinning on that slightly, maybe maybe the actual angle is the press release is dead, but an informative release is still alive. I think 
you're talking about almost like a, a well-written release. Mm. And I think the, the ones where it's almost like a briefing are definitely dead. They're the ones that will get deleted straight yeah. away without yeah. any sort of um, consideration, really. And you've got to realise, like, a journalist is incredibly time poor now. Mm. So, um, you know, the, the modern newsroom isn't, you know, 40, 50 people all chasing stories all out, all over their patches all the time. It's literally like two or three people at a desk sifting through emails, trying to find the decent stuff, and then making calls to police, fire, ambulance, whatever, just to get the important kind of, like, news stories. Mm. So... Um, Really, unless you're going to stand out, it's it's a it's a real shot in the dark, like we said. And, and it's got to be thousands. newsworthy as yeah, well. Like absolutely. you can't you can't just throw a press release at someone that's something they won't be interested in. It, yeah. uh, sometimes journalists are looking for news, mm. uh, and news sometimes is hard to come by. So if you can give them a whole story that they can use, they'll they'll put it in almost verbatim sometimes, and that that's absolutely yeah. fantastic coverage for a client. What's really important to remember for clients and, and just any business in general listening is have a, a realistic expectation of what people consider news as well. Because, you know, you might think it's the best news in the world. You might think, do you know what? This is amazing for us. Yeah, it might be. But like how many other people have done it? Mm. How many people in the area have done the same thing, that very same thing? Um, is it really that groundbreaking? Mm. You know, you've got to really think how how can or or how can i present this banal news story as something amazing how can i spin it as something how can i make a statement that's going to really have an impact well i think it's like any aspect of marketing right every brand thinks that what they have to say is amazing every brand thinks their product's amazing and every brand thinks all these things are glorious and the moment you chuck it out to the world the customer decides whether that's good or bad yeah and most of the time if you think something you know 100% good actually it's only 60% yeah, because you're brainwashed by your own product, and I think that works right through with the, with the press release, with everything you have to say. Absolutely. This will actually happen even for our podcast, right? We all sit here and go, "This podcast is outstanding." We'll think it's a ten out of ten, right? But the average Joe at home might go, "Actually, Pete, that's a seven out of ten, yeah. right?" Because you always believe that what you do is better. That's just yeah. that's just a fact. That's just raw. Mm. And I think that's been the problem with the press release for so long is they've gone, "This is the amazing story in news for us. Let's put it out to the world. They're going to love to hear it." And when no one's come back to them, they're like, "What?" Yeah. And they and they have no idea. Yeah, it's like you go back ten years ago. You know, it was you can almost build a brand by creating a website. And you sit there and go, I spent all this time building a website. I'm gonna make loads and loads of money now, and nothing would happen, mm. right? Because you're always brainwashed by your own view. And I think that's the same with PR right across the board. And it's almost the the job of of PRs and journalists and editors to actually educate the brands around the world to go. Actually, we don't mm. care about your pointless story. We we don't care about it. What we want to know is. Give me value as a reader, and how can you work with us as journalists in a better way? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's that's been our approach, like since um, since we started here. Really, it's it's kind of been find out what people want, write to their specifications, and you know make it valuable for them. Because you know we could wait. I mean, uh, writing a press release, getting it signed off, and then the actual process of sending it out can take a day. Mm. You know, if it's a really big meaty press release. To then have it not used at all, um, it's quite disappointing on both sides. You know, it's, it's disappointing for me, Andy. It's disappointing for the client. So really, you've got to consider, like, are we doing the right thing? Are we making the best use of our time? And I think that's how I would sum it up, really. So I have a, a bit of a question for you both, really, is that obviously when we created the, the PR department here and obviously Mike, you came in and we sat down with, like, the way we're going to spin this, we want to be more innovative than anyone else. We want to be thinking mm. about the, the things that are at the forefront um, what's actually working through stats and data and, and push forward that way. 
and I believe that we have a really innovative approach to PR. And you know, I've, I've kind of got to say that as the MD, but I truly, truly believe that for the work we've done both with our brand and our clients. What? Why do you think that other agencies are going wrong? Like, and that sounds like a bad way. Are they focusing too much on the things like the press release, the traditional approach? Are they not innovating? I mean. You know, I don't know if it's a bad question. I mean, are you, are you now like wincing because I've said something awkward? I don't, no. I don't know. I mean, this is the tr- I don't know the answer to this question. But when I look at what everyone else is doing, it seems very PR press press release heavy, right? Yeah. yeah. And I feel like, and I've been on the speaker circuit a lot, and I go around all across the UK doing it. And every single time I, I mention PR, the individual and not the brand, it seems like I've just changed the world. Mm. Like almost the feedback is like, I didn't even think about that, Pete. When for us. This is what we do day in, day out. Mm. But it seems like no one else has got that message. So the, my question to you both is, is what we're doing really, really innovative, right? Or are mo- is everyone else just doing it wrong? I just think we're in a unique position. I think, um, yes, other agencies are probably more traditional in the fact that they'll say, right, well, we'll write a certain amount of press releases for you a month. And that's fine. And it will work to an extent. But I think what we're doing because we're embedded within a team that know their marketing, know their social media, know their PPC, it's like having that extra time on our hands to say, right, well, let's really think about where we're going to place these. You know, the average P, uh, you know, PR account manager, PR account executive will be juggling so many things. So they'll be juggling um, social media, um, any sort of advertising, any sort of physical um, marketing that might need to be done really sort of like on the ground kind of jobs like you know ordering stationery things like that it's ridiculous really it is ridiculous um how stretched you can be as a pr exe- executive and i think andy's in quite a, a unique position in the fact that he's starting out in a in a sort of agency that will teach him pr as a service rather than here's everything mm, here's all the dog's yeah. body work to do here's all the um administration jobs to do and it you know we've almost cut out a whole area and as a result we can be more innovative i mean i don't think obviously we're not sort of reinventing the wheel here we're not kind of going hey do you know what this is amazing (laughs) and um you know we're doing something completely revolutionary but we're focusing on what works i think that's i think that's the difference um so do you think so the the other question i suppose this is do you believe that first of all Everyone else. So, first of all, I'm a massive believer in get people in, get them to do one thing really, really well, uh, take away any other tasks like ordering stationery, you know, get all these these really tasks onto someone else that's job mm. is to sweep up all these things. So they have to do just one thing really, really well. Do you, so you're, what you're essentially saying is the other brands and the agencies that haven't been able to advance is because they've got too much on their ta- on their plate to understand what's actually working. I think it's almost like they they do have. The, I mean, there's some brilliant agencies out there. You of know, course, I've worked yeah, with some brilliant agencies, but um, it's it's maybe the fact that they've they know exactly what they're doing, but the demands of the client these days is like, oh, can you do our social media? Oh, can you do this? Can you can you redesign our website? It's like, yes, but that's not real. I mean, PR should have a say in that. You know, we're working on some websites with our web team at the moment. You know, we're we're copywriting for those. That's fantastic. But you know, draw the line. Yeah, draw the line. That there is yeah, yeah. there is a sort of a bit where you're like well actually what is my job mm. you know and how far do i go do i am i you know also events you know if if a client is holding events are we expected there you know what role do we play when we're there do we set up the, the event for them it's how much you're willing to do and how much time you want to yeah. give up i think fair enough uh, right let's look down that list because i feel like we were, we were, we were 
hanging around and wanting to whip it. Yeah, we can, we can do a bit. It's, it's, it's a good subject to sort of <laughs> no, yeah, riff on, really. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Andy wanted to talk about uh, some PR campaigns that maybe have backfired. I mean, Ooh. there's some pretty obvious ones that we've talked about before. But Please um, say you're mentioning KFC. I'm not, but I am going I, for other you know fast what, food I'm chains. sick of hearing about KFC, actually. It, it's the best. <laughs> it is really actually, good. Actually, have it's you really seen good. the last two they did? First of all, when they brought a chicken, mm, obviously yeah. they did the FCK campaign, yeah. what it was called. Yeah. And then the, see the other one where they did a, a print ad where it was like every single letter before the FC. Yeah. Yep. And it was like the yeah. KFC. Yeah. And we're, we're flattered, I think it said. That's it, yeah. yes. Yeah. Anyway, right. That was really good. I was just uh, taking the limelight. Yeah, so, so the big one that I think most people will probably hopefully remember was a couple of years ago. I hope you remember this one. Is the Pepsi one with Kendall Jenner? Please, please carry on. Please carry on. Uh, yeah. So basically, Pepsi brought out this advert um, online. This campaign. It was basically there was loads of protests going on in America. Yes, um, I have seen this. Very, you know, important protests. Very, you know, big protests going on um, about like protests for police brutality, m- murder, racism in the justice system, uh, things like that. And uh, some brand manager at Pepsi decides to turn around and say, "We can jump on the back of this and." sell drinks which is probably uh, not a good idea um so yeah they basically brought out this whole campaign about how i don't i don't really know what the campaign well, did, was did, for wasn't the really. idea that they gave those two rival people and they gave away they gave a pepsi to both of them and they were fine yeah, yeah. Is that basically was about yeah, soft yeah. world peace I yeah think, yeah i mean look yeah. as a, if you're a brand manager that makes sense yeah it does but it makes sense that pepsi's gonna bring you together however <laughs> Sometimes there's topics and subjects you just don't get involved with. And the planning yeah. was terrible as well. The, the, the ad came out on the anniversary of Martin Luther King Jr.'s death. Oh, wow. Which is just short-sighted. Mm. Um, and the, tone the, deaf is hard the, to describe yeah, tone this deaf. whole thing. And, yeah. and the protest itself that they, that they shot and put out looked more like Coachella than a protest, to be honest. Yeah. It, <laughs> there, was, there was nothing that seemed important about yeah. it. There was no big issues that they seemed to be bringing across. It was just a bunch of people with peace signs and Pepsi. And... Uh, <laughs> I feel like if you're going to do a campaign like that, you've got to plan it better. You've got to look at the wider scope of what yeah. you're doing. Yeah. Um, well, I think with any campaign, the first thing you draw out is, okay, what what's going to happen with this campaign? What's the aim, right? Let's get that sorted. What could possibly go wrong with this campaign? And then third of all, when are we going to do it? And surely at some point, someone would have gone, is this a bit too insensitive? Then surely at some point, someone would have gone, it's the anniversary of MLK. Surely somebody flagged this stuff. Surely, and mm. I, I'm a, I, I love campaigns that go well. So like you've got the example of um, the Greg's reverse um, logo, yeah, yeah, which is phenomenal. Yeah, and you know you can look at things that have gone really well and learn. But the thing that most marketers don't do is let's look at what's gone horrendously wrong. Yeah, and let's learn <laughs> not to do those things. It's almost like they haven't employed crisis comms before the crisis. Yeah, yeah. it's like what. <laughs> How could this be viewed? Shall we test it? What the test subjects said? You know, have we got good feedback for this? It seems like something went wrong there. Like something fell down. I feel like big brands, just these big political and like societal issues that they dive into, they're just a minefield. There's Mm. there's not really a good way through. But I I can't really think of many big brand campaigns that have actually made a massive positive impact that they're trying to make they, yeah. they always seem to fall flat on the face well it, i think that's a really great point you make because obviously a week ago or two weeks ago wasn't there like a, a coffee cup i think they thought it was starbucks at first in yeah. game of thrones uh, and i sat there and I thought to myself so many times why have starbucks done nothing about this mm. i think it went literally about two weeks on and it was like 
They've still done nothing about this. I think they put a tweet out eventually just writing on the, the back of it. It was the worst tweet I've ever seen. I mm, literally saw it. I was I like, this is an embarrassment. Yeah. yeah. So maybe, I mean, you know, we don't know. We're not internal at, at Starbucks. But maybe someone in Starbucks went, this could go wrong. Either way, you know, maybe they did their own crisis comes with, actually, mm. you know, our data is showing that if we ride on this, we look like we're just riding on the back of it. Or maybe it's going to put us in a position where we look desperate. I don't know. Maybe there's something in that. But as a marketeer, I looked at that and thought, they could have done anything. I would have actually created a drink around Game of Thrones. Yeah, I'd yeah. have gone so far. I'd have gone ridiculous. I mean, th- I think the value of the ad space was in the billions. Oh, yeah. it would be, yeah. You know, and, and, you got the, and it's not just on the Game of Thrones. It was like the media ripple effect is what a PR would dream of, right? That it's like, it's been on Game of Thrones. Now it's all over Twitter. Now Facebook. Now Instagram. Now it's in every single press story. Now it's getting spoken about on This Morning, Good Morning Britain, and all these things, right? Everyone's talking about it, and they've sent a tweet. Yeah. But maybe that was enough, like just it being there and people thinking it was a Starbucks cup was enough and that they were like, do you know what? We can't actually add to this noise at all. I don't know, because then I, I started thinking like, okay, what happens if I was doing Costa? Mm. I'd have hijacked it. Yeah. Rivals should yeah. have probably got on that. Yeah, so I yeah. don't even think you can yeah. just pin it on Starbucks. I think you could easily have gone, actually Costa and Cafe Nero, like, mm. what are you doing as well? Because yeah. you had a coffee cup that you could have, if, if, even if it was literally signposted to Starbucks, you still could have gone and actually done something yourself with Costa Coffee. Yeah. They could have done something. Yeah. And I don't watch Game of Thrones, but I'm sure there's some sort of rivalry on Game of Thrones and they could have picked one side. Yeah. But I don't know how it worked. Yeah. But they could have done something, surely. Mm. And maybe it's because brands are too scared now because of the political backlash they had from Pepsi. Maybe they're too scared because the only way they can see it is it falling mm. flat on its face. But I still believe that brands should always give it a little bit of a risk. Yeah. Yeah. Just to be really boring, it could have been something to do with licensing or, you know, products placement and stuff like that on screen. Like, if they'd admitted it was, like, a plant or they'd said, like, oh, you know, they, they probably would have thrown themselves into some, some legal trouble. Yeah, but I, I, mean, I have no idea. They could that. have just gone round the back door and just made something slightly, yeah. I don't know what, what the age is supposed to be in. Like, but yeah. they could have done something that was, like, yeah. around the same time. I yeah. think it could have been just because the nature of Game of Thrones, you know, it's, it's, it's popular, but it's also violent. You know, there's there's lots of things mm. that aren't particularly family friendly yeah. uh, on that show. Um, I, I think they could have done more for it. It's but maybe a missed opportunity. Yeah. Well, did you see the Kim Kardashian tweet two days ago about oh, sorry, the brand it was? But she basically was moaning on Twitter about a brand that she went to, which is basically like a fast food restaurant in America. And she was like, someone messaged me now from customer service. And she did to her, obviously all her followers. And all the other brands, like McDonald's, Burger King, KFC, mm-hmm. all, all these American brands, started jumping on the thread yeah. and like basically saying, <laughs> like, go to the head teacher's office. Like, yeah. they're like, why not? So I think brands need to be more fun. Mm. Yeah, American brands are really good at that, actually. Like, Wendy's especially, I always, always see popping up on Twitter mm-hmm. or, or, you know, PR Weekly, d- yeah. these things that Wendy's have done. Yeah. They've just jumped on a really fresh trend and yeah. then sort of spun it around to be cool, yeah. They're not directly like promoting, you know, Wendy's as a product. They're mm. just, they're just, you know, bringing in some some positive yeah. vibes, I suppose. It's that brand voice that's, that they're known yeah. for now, and you know, Wendy's. I, I have no idea how Wendy's are seen in America, but I I want to go and try it now because yeah, I no. because I've seen them. You're gonna fly over to America. Well, you know, <laughs> you're gonna go <laughs> if to I happen New York to be in America, and you're gonna go <laughs> and buy a Wendy's because of a tweet they sent you once. Possibly, <laughs> possibly. Um, I think what's interesting this week as well is was it Burger King said that they were selling milkshakes explicitly Ooh, yes. when McDonald's Ooh. in Newcastle were banning the sale of milkshakes Ooh. around Nigel Farage. You know, that's that's a hot political sort of thing at the moment, but that is I thought that was that was pretty clever. Like saying, by the way, we sell milkshakes. By the way, we're not banning 
the sale of milkshakes. That's ridiculous. It's pretty bold as well. Yeah. And any political statement that you make, you're pretty much dividing 50-50 between... I agree. Between. Well, I always believe you should never talk about anything political. Mm. Yeah. That's, no, just my, that's, my, hello. that's just my straight line, is just never talk about anything political. Yeah. Because if the moment you do, you're right, you divide 50-50. It's yeah. like the argument of shouldn't talk about Brexit or not. My yeah. opinion is no, mm. because you're literally 42, 48. Yeah, I mean, you can talk about Brexit as a concept uh, and, you know, what might happen and things like that. I think when it gets to opinion, you, you are literally alienating mm. a lot of people. I think it used to be a lot more subtle. Like if you said, you know, like, I'm a Labour supporter, I'm a Conservative supporter, it kind of didn't matter if you're doing a good job. But now it's like you have to be one extreme or the other. There's no middle ground mm. anymore. I mean, politics knows it as well. I mean, we're getting into politics here. This is Ooh. not PR anymore. This is like literally. <laughs> Welcome to the politics. There is no middle ground anymore. Like, yeah. that's the thing. You know, it's either centre left, centre right, or extremes. There's, there's no, like, in the middle. So, yeah, I think you do, you can damage yourself if you do sort I of, agree. like, p pin your flag in something and just say, Here, here's where I am. You know, Weatherspoons is a great example. Um, the owner just sort of um, being a Brexiteer, having a lot of negative PR around, like, uh, the Guardian interviewing him in his own pub and things yeah, like but that. Mm. I thought this could be quite interesting, right? Mm. And I don't know the data on this, right? But if you were a PR marketer at Weatherspoons and you did some sort of survey, like all these YouGov polls, right? Mm. And you found out that actually 78% of the Weatherspoons um, regular customers are pro-Brexit. Yeah. Let's say that was an actual stat. Well, maybe it's not a bad move then. Mm. Do you see where I'm going? Maybe, yeah, maybe yeah. they did a stat that said... Uh, the average the average uh, customer that goes in and drinks uh, and every four times a week um, is more likely to vote Brexit. Yeah. Then it's not a bad statement because then you're making your brand relatable to the individuals that have that message. Do you see where I'm yeah. going with this? I, and if I mean, you're making enough money on, yeah. on that book, his profits have gone down have since they? he's been talking about this. So. You do shut your door on one group yeah. of people as yeah. you open it to another. So yeah. you've you've got to be careful that you don't. Absolutely, it's a it's a balancing act, I think. I just and think it's, avoid it all it's costs. Very, yeah. yeah, it's very shaky ground. Mm. Yeah, indeed. What else we got? Cool. Um, so, um, I, actually, we're on a podcast right now, um, but I just wanted to talk about the effectiveness of them in PR because obviously we record our own, you record your own with Sam, and um, you know there's a lot to be said for the content that you can make from that. Um, and I think, you know, there's. Um, so many opportunities out there to, to share um, obviously press releases we've talked about already and thought leadership is, is fantastic you know but if you've got your platform that you can decide what goes on it and who listens to it and you know targeting that in a, in a unique way then you know why wouldn't you we're, we're rolling out for a few clients as well I mean yeah. it's, it's working really well um, and it's just gonna like cement their position as experts and I think that's where I think there's a there's a big missed opportunity i mean the equipment doesn't cost much to set yeah, up i agree you know it's it's out there for everyone and you know we've talked about anchor we talked about anchor last week at the um, at the panel we did um that's a free tool and you can put it on any of the platforms so you can be on itunes spotify and all these like um un sort of like unknown ones with no effort whatsoever well i think it's amazing i think I'm always baffled where brands don't do the easiest things that can give them a slight leg up. And I think a podcast is the easiest way to do a leg up. Mm. Um, especially if you utilize the content in creative ways. Like, we're literally just talking here. We're talking for 30 minutes. And this content is being put out for free for our brand. We're now creating micro content from the video, con uh, video stuff that's getting done. We can make that as a brand and put it forward. And it's cost us next to nothing. Yeah. It's yeah. cost us half an hour of our times. Um, 
and it's as simple as that. The equipment, you know, you, if you wanted to be a bit of a tight, you know, tight cheapskate and get the lower equipment that you don't need, you're in for 200 quid. It's not huge amounts of money for, for a brand piece. Uh, but far too many brands go on, the, on this whole notion of we've never done it that way before, we've mm. always done it this way, and just keep plodding on. When the world is about innovation, the way you grow brands is through innovation, and I think it's the most obvious way to put, your, put yourself forward. But I'm also a big believer that the more content you can make without doing much work is always matters. So if we think about this from a PR perspective now, we've spoken for three, for 30 minutes, the three of us. We've had various different opinions which have all been put in this podcast. This podcast will go out to an audience, the video content will go out to an audience. But then you guys have got audio clips for both me and yourselves talking about unique topics. So now the team can then write blog content about our opinions. We can now do outreach um, to journos and editors about the content we spoke about for their press stories. And all it's taken is 30 minutes of our time. It's a complete and utter content producing machine. And I think any brands that don't really get involved with this stuff are going to miss out. Mm. And it's like, I always call it the, the Facebook revelation, right? Which basically happened with 10 years ago, you have a Facebook page and you'd, you could get 100,000 likes pretty quickly. It was, it was pretty easy to do. But what essentially happened is it got harder and harder and harder because more people went on the platform. Then it came very much pay to play. You had to pay advertising to be there. And now it's incredibly hard to launch a Facebook page. And I believe that the podcast era of Facebook 10 years ago was probably three years ago, right? But we're still very much at the early stages of it. And if you can keep consistency and keep putting content out, I believe in the next five to 10 years, from this point, brands will be doing really well from it. Yeah. And far too many people believe that the podcast is for the B2B or the thought leader. When you've got brands like Pretty Little Thing doing phenomenal podcasts, which are relating to a direct-to-consumer audience, and I think the opportunity is huge. And, you know, you've got Love Island coming out in a couple of weeks, because I don't know what it's going to be. And if you're a brand that's direct-to-consumer targeting the Love Island generation, you should be bringing in ex-Love Island stars and interviewing them on your podcast. Yeah. It's as simple as that. This yeah. stuff isn't rocket science. Uh, and it's, it, I believe it's the easiest way to create content in 2019. Yeah, I mean, it, it can provide so much i mean we snip these up into micro content and if you're struggling for organic or even paid content to put behind on on social it, it kind of makes itself mm. you know it's it's such good value um but this is just an evolution and we're on a bit of a side tangent here but it's a bit of an evolution from our marketing three years ago right which was i believe that people buy people and we put our staff in front of video cameras and recorded them and put them online for free and then other brands, you know, around us, other agencies started seeing, oh, this must be working because the track to do it, they started doing it. Yeah. And the moment I would say locally, regionally, let's say, maybe four or five agencies have now started doing the same model as we're moving to the next one. And now this is what we believe is the, is the best way to produce content at scale uh, nice and easily. So it's just about constantly evolving with the times. And anyone that sits on the one platform that they've, I mean, look, I stand here and say, I don't think Twitter's the right place to put your time. I mean, I don't think it works. It's not a place to put your time. But 10 years ago, it was a different story. Mm. You know, it worked really, really well. So it's about just evolving with times and making sure that things keep working. Um, I don't know if you guys got anything else to discuss. I mean, we're at minute 33-ish. Anything else? I'll look at Mike, I'll look at Andy. Actually, you've got any more points? I think that's a good length for nice the podcast, to be honest. Yeah. Look at that. Like that. Perfect. Yeah, easy. Well, I, the thing is, it's really weird for everyone listening at home. It's really weird for me because I... I love what the guys do in the PR department. I see what they're doing all the time. I see the, the content they put out and, and the real returns, obviously, for my own stuff and also what they do for the clients. So to be able to delve deeper is, is phenomenal. The one thing I'll say, if you are listening to this podcast um, and you, you found some value, pass it on to, to someone else that you think will enjoy it and, and make sure you kind of um, you subscribe to, to, to whatever platform you use to listen to your podcast. If you have any questions, uh, hit us up on Instagram with distracthq and 
we'll talk to you next week.